Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets Corner. Today's feature is from Book 11, Part 40 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 51 is entitled The Intercession, Part 4. In the prologue to Book 11, Milton writes, The Son of God presents to his Father the prayers of our first parents now repenting and intercedes for them. God accepts them, but declares that they must no longer abide in paradise, sends Michael with a band of cherubim to dispossess them, but first to reveal to Adam future things. Michael's coming down. Adam shows to Eve certain ominous signs. He discerns Michael's approach, goes out to meet him. The angel denounces their departure. Eve's lamentation, Adam pleads, but submits. The angel leads him up to a high hill, sets before him a vision, what shall happen till the flood. Michael tells Adam that mankind was made in God's image, but because man chose to serve the appetites of the natural man, and used their bodies to serve evil, they lost their godlike image. They violated the laws of nature, therefore becoming subject to disease. Their maker's image, answered Michael, then forsook them when themselves they vilified to serve ungoverned appetite, and took his image whom they served, a brutish vice, inductive mainly to the sin of Eve. Therefore, so abject is their punishment, disfiguring not God's likeness, but their own, or if his likeness by themselves defect, while they pervert pure nature's helpful rules to loathsome sickness, worthily, since they, God's image, did not reverence in themselves. Adam agrees with Michael, saying that God is just. But he asked if there's another way out besides pain and misery to accompany death. I yield it just, said Adam, and submit. But is there yet no other way besides these painful passages how we may come to death and mix with our connatural dust? Michael warns Adam against gluttony and tells him to use temperance in what he eats and what he drinks. That way they will have a longer life and an easier death. Still, They must grow old and suffer the natural effects of age. Remember that Milton is old, and at his age he may be describing his own ailments. There is, said Michael, if thou wilt observe the rule of not too much, by temperance taught in what thou eatest and drinkest. Seeking from thence due nourishment, not gluttonous delight, till many years over thy head return. So mayest thou live, Till like ripe fruit thou drop into thy mother's lap, or be with ease gathered, not harshly plucked, for death mature. This is old age, but then thou must outlive thy youth. 
thy strength, thy beauty, which will change to withered, weak, and gray. Thy senses, then obtuse, all taste of pleasure must forego, till what thou hast, and for the air of youth, hopeful and cheerful, in thy blood will reign a melancholy damp of cold and dry, to weigh thy spirits down, and last consume the balm of life. Adam replies that he will not run from death, but he would study how the fairest and easiest way to meet the inevitable. Henceforth I flee not death, nor would prolong life much, bent rather how I may be quite fairest and easiest of this cumbrous charge, which I must keep till my appointed day of rendering up. Michael tells Adam that the best thing to do is to live well. Nor love thy life, nor hate, but what thou livest, live well, how long or short permit to heaven. Then Michael cautions Adam to be prepared, because he is going to show him the future. Adam sees a huge plain, filled with tents, cattle. He heard beautiful music. He watched as they created tools from molten metal. He saw people who were just, who worshipped God and studied the words of God. They sought freedom and peace. He looked and saw a spacious plain where onward tents of various hue. By some were herds of cattle grazing, others whence the sound of instruments that made melodious chime was heard of harp and organ, and who moved their stops and chords was seen. His volant touch, instinct through all proportions, low and high, fled and pursued, traversed the resonant fugue. In other parts stood one who at the forge laboring, two massive clods of iron and brass had melted, whether found where casual fire had wasted woods on mountain or in vale, down to the veins of earth, thence gliding hot to some cave's mouth, or whether washed by stream from underground, the liquid ore had drained into fit molds prepared from which he formed first his own tools, then what might else be wrought, fulfill, or graven in metal. After these, but on the either side, a different sort, from the high neighboring hills, which was their seat, down to the plain descended. By their guise just men they seemed, and all their study bent to worship God aright, and know his works not hid, nor those things lost which might preserve freedom and peace to men. The vision continued. He saw beautiful women in stylish and suggestive apparel. Men looked at women wantonly. He saw mankind filled with lust, and marriage rites followed by feasts and music and songs and garlands and flowers. They were merry. They on the plain long had not walked, when from the tents behold a bevy of fair women Richly gay in gems and wanton dress, To the harp they sung soft amorous ditties, And in dance came on. The men, though grave, eyed them, And let their eyes rove without rain, Till in the amorous net fast caught, They liked, and each his liking chose. And now of love they treat, Till the evening star love's harbinger appeared. Then all in heat they light the nuptial torch, and bid invoked Hymen, then first to marriage rites invoked. 
With feast and music, all the tents resound, such happy interviews and fair events of love and youth not lost. Songs, garlands, flowers, and charming symphonies attached the heart of Adam, soon inclined to admit delight, the bent of nature, which he thus expressed. Adam is actually made cheerful because the future appears bright and peaceful after those images of hate and death and pain. True opener of my eyes, prime angel blessed, much better seems this vision and more hope of peaceful days portends than those two past. Those were of hate and death or pain much worse. Here nature seems fulfilled in all her ends. Micah warned Adam not to judge what is best by pleasure, though it appears natural. He tells Michael that he was created for nobler ends, things holy and pure and divine. Judge not what is best by pleasure, though to nature seeming meet, created as thou art to nobler end, holy and pure, conformity divine. Michael warned Adam that those tents which appeared so pleasant were full of wickedness, murder, godlessness, and ingratitude. Those tents thou saw so pleasant were the tents of wickedness, wherein shall dwell his race who slew his brother. Studious they appear of arts that polish life, inventors rare, unmindful of their maker, though his spirit taught them. But they, his gifts, acknowledged none. Michael warns Adam that beauty is deceiving, that although they appeared beautiful, their beauty hid the evil. It reminds one of Isaiah chapter 3. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making tinkling with their feet, Therefore the Lord will smite with the scab the crown of their head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet, and their calls, and their round tires like the moon, the chains, and the bracelets, and the mufflers, the bonnets, and the ornaments of the legs, and the headbands, and the tablets, and the earrings, the rings and the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, and the mantles and the wimples and the crisping pins, the glasses and the fine linen, and the hoods and the veils, and it shall come to pass that instead of sweet smell there shall be stink, and instead of a girdle a rent, and instead of well-set hair baldness, and instead of a stomacher, a girdling of sackcloth, and burning instead of beauty. Michael continues, They were filled with lust, yet they a beauteous offspring shall beget. For their fair female troop thou sawst, that seemed of goddesses so blithe, so smooth, so gay, yet empty of all good, wherein consists woman's domestic honor and chief praise, bred only and complete to taste of lustful appearance, to sing, to dance, to dress, and twist the tongue, and roll the eye, to these, the sober race of men, whose lives religious tilted them, the sons of God, shall yield up all their virtue, all their fame, 
ignobly. To the trains and to the smiles of these fair atheists, and now swim in joy, ere long to swim at large and laugh, for which the world, ere long, a world of tears must weep. Adam's joy was cut short. He saw his posterity turning away from the straight and narrow path. He cried out, O pity and shame, that they who to live well entered so fair, should turn aside to tread paths indirect, or in the midway faint. But still I see the tenor of man's woe holds on the same, from woman to begin. Michael tells Adam it is due to effeminate slackness. They ignore their superior gifts and forsake wisdom. From man's effeminate slackness it begins, said the angel, who should better hold his place by wisdom and superior gifts receive. Michael tells Adam to prepare himself for another horrible scene. He shows Adam large territories with towns, cities, lofty gates and towers, armies, threatening war, and giants. He looked and saw wide territory spread before him, towns and rural works between, cities of men with lofty gates and towers, concourse in arms, fierce faces threatening war, giants of mighty bone, and bold in prize. Part wield their arms, part curb the foaming steed, single or in array of battle ranged, both horse and foot, nor idly mustering stood. Adam sees cows, oxen, pigs, and sheep. One way a band select from forage drives a herd of beeves, fair oxen, and fair cline from a fat meadow ground, or fleecy flock, ewes, and their bleeding lambs over the plain. But the pastoral scene quickly turns into horror. Their booty scarce with life the shepherds fly, and call in aid, which tax a bloody fray, with cruel tournament and squadrons join, where cattle pasture late now scattered lies with carcasses and arms the ensanguined field deserted. Others to a city strong lay siege, encamped, by battery, scale, and mine assaulting, others from the wall defend with dart and javelin, stones and sulfurous fire, on each hand slaughter and gigantic deeds. But Adam turns to another scene, as if there is a chance for peace, but it too quickly turns to greater war. A prophet of God was sent to call them to repentance. The prophet was rejected. They were going to kill him, but a cloud descended and snatched him from harm's way. There was no refuge for those left behind. In other part, the sceptered heralds called to counsel in the city gates. Anon, gray-headed men engraved with warriors mixed, assemble, and harangues are heard. But soon, in factious opposition, tell at last of middle age, one rising, eminent in wise deport, spake much of right and wrong, of justice, of religion, truth and peace, and judgment from above. Him old and young exploded, and had seized with violent hands, had not a cloud descended snatched him thence unseen amid the throng. So violence proceeded, and oppression, and sword law through all the plain, and refuge none was found. Adam was devastated, but he asked who the just man was that was rescued. 
Adam was all in tears, and to his guide lamenting turned full sad. Oh, what are these death's ministers, not man, who thus still death inhumanely to man, and multiply ten thousandfold the sin of him who slew his brother? For of whom such massacre make they but of their brethren, men of men? But who was the just man, whom had not heaven rescued, had in his righteousness been lost? In the introduction, Milton declared his purpose to be to justify the ways of God to man. We can see that theme emerge with each book. For example, in the above, Michael makes it clear that man brings upon himself his misery. They reject the prophets. They give in to the natural man. They turn their backs on God. Milton shows that all misery is a consequence of sin. Join us next Monday as we continue the saga of Milton's Paradise Lost. Meanwhile, please download our other podcasts. On Fridays, we analyze the New Testament. On the other weekdays, we continue to analyze free will, agency, liberty, and freedom. Please invite your family and friends to join us. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.